and I, it just became so stressful. It was like, actually, yeah. I, I don't need this. I'd rather pay ten pounds to someone that I could set up a, you know, they set up a direct debit off my account, and whenever they clean my windows, they just direct debit to ten pounds mm. off me. It's not that hard. It's just a better customer experience. Mm. On today's show, we are talking to Jonathan Hyde, the head of product at Legal. My name's David Savage, and you are listening to Tech Talks, the twice-weekly technology podcast interviewing technology leaders and sharing ideas across the industry. If you're interested in technology, this is the podcast for you. Joining me on today's podcast, we've got Ali and Evie. Are either of you Bridget Jones fans? I wouldn't say big fans, but I've seen I've seen the films and I enjoy oh, them. This, this is a flat start to the podcast. Yeah, sorry. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, basically, in today's interview with Jonathan, we talk about religion, sort of. A little bit, yeah. Because he studies that's theology. What he went and everyone yeah. always talks about, you know, you don't talk about politics and religion, right? Okay. So I thought I'd start by talking about politics and then we can take religion off as we go through. Oh, um, <laughs> and apparently, Mark Darcy might have been based on Keir Starmer. Yeah. Are you, are you serious? Oh yeah. How, how? Where did you see this? In the paper today. Oh no. Oh my gosh. To be yep. fair, I see the. So apparently. <laughs> no, no, no. But apparently, in the mid '80s, Keir Starmer was like uber kind of young, trendy QC, defending people against you know big David versus Goliath cases, right. and people have genuinely asked Helen Fielding whether Keir Starmer was the basis for Mark Darcy. And he was. It's never been confirmed or denied. Huh. She's always dodged the question. So probably yes. I'd like to think so. I think it's quite obviously cool. Obviously, he just had a crush. Yeah, on otherwise, him. he just yeah. said no, right? <laughs> but it's quite. It's quite. It could be quite funny, right? Yeah. But that's that strange. Mark Darcy could become leader of the opposition. <laughs> in, yeah. in, a, in an alternative world, that that's quite an appealing thought, I'd imagine. Yeah. It'd be even better if Hugh Grant was on the opposite side. Well, the two of them could have some kind of fight in the Commons, right? That'd be great. Yeah. I just thought it was a fun way to start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, today's interview is all about product and legal issues. Uh, we're talking to legal, L-E-G-L, head of product, Jonathan. So I think I'll hand over to the interview and then we'll be back with some comment and a bit of tech news afterwards. So today I'm joined by Jonathan Hyde from Legal. Thank you for coming in and having a conversation with us. You're welcome. Uh, and you are head of product, right? I am. Um, now, first of all, if people aren't familiar with legal, legal are the organisation behind crowd justice. That's correct. But you joined a little bit after the whole crowd justice kind of piece and award-winning aspect of that. So yours is a strategic role across a number of different products? or It is. So legal has extended its product range. Mm-hmm. Uh, crowd justice is our flagship product. Uh, enables, if you don't know it, enable, it's a crowdfunding site that enables consumers to access the justice system by crowdfunding their legal fees. Right. And their legal fees through that legal process, through that process of crowdfunding, go directly to their lawyers. So it, it's great at opening up the justice system to people who wouldn't otherwise be able to afford it. What we're doing now is we're expanding the product range that we have to, to support law firms mm-hmm. uh, in creating great customer experiences with their customers, uh, with their clients. So crowd justice, just to make sure that I understand this right, because what's to stop someone just using any kind of crowdfunding page and going, hey, I've got this particular problem and, and I need to raise some money because I've got, you know, I need to hire a lawyer. Sure. Well, when you work with lawyers, you realise that law is quite a complicated process. And 
law firms are under strict regulations around where they can accept monies from right okay to pay for legal fees there's a lot of money laundering regulations there's a lot of regulation from people like the sra this list is regulatory authority who try to make sure that law firms can evidence all the monies they are you know taking in and that makes crowd using crowdfunded money quite complicated and so crowd justice has been built specifically to address those issues law firms have in accepting crowdfunded money. So all of the donations are um, have anti-money laundering processes applied to them. You know, we can evidence where the funds come from and we make sure that that money is transferred directly from the people who provide the backing for those cases, the backers, and the money goes directly to the law firm without anyone else getting involved. So there's a really clear audit trail from the point where here's this person, they've backed this case, and the money's gone directly to the lawyer. I think we touch on, or you touch on a really interesting point there. Through my own naivety, I kind of exposed the fact that I don't really know anything about the legal system. I've never had the need to hire a lawyer or a solicitor. Um, I'm very lucky that I've got a friend who graduated in law who works about six floors above us in this building. Whenever I have any kind of question, I'll go straight to, to Sam and go, hey, what do you think about this? Um, but if I was to interact with the legal system in a, in a kind of a formal manner, I'd have no idea what to expect from it. And as, as, a, as a product manager, I know that you're building products for the legal professionals, but equally people like me will be interacting with it. And it's not like I have any expectation about what's good or not. I appreciate that. But you do have an interaction with the wider world. Mm. So you have an expectation that when you work with, say, a challenger bank and you sign up, you're not expecting to go and find one of their offices because they don't have any offices. So you're expecting, if you sign up with someone like Monzo or Starling or Curb or anyone like that, you download their app. Mm. You, their app takes you through the process of creating an account. It does all of the know your customer checks. It does all of the background checks on you simply by the information you can provide from the, from the app itself by taking photos of documents and providing that and they scan those documents and read them. Uh, if you interact with your bank now, you're expecting to have an app on your phone for your bank. Uh, if you interact with somebody who, you know, if you were paying a shop, you'd be expected to log onto their website and order some goods and pay on their website for mm. those goods. The legal system doesn't make that massively easy. So the vast majority of law firms in the UK, you can't log onto their website and pay a bill using a credit or debit card. The only way they accept payment is if they send you an invoice which has their bank details on. You have to log into your bank account, create them up, set them up, find that little calculatory thing that you put, slide your card into, yeah, yeah. type all the numbers in, set them up as a payee, then transfer them the money. Or maybe you have to phone them during office hours. If they, best case, they take credit and debit cards over the phone. And a lot of people these days don't really want to hand their card details over the phone. Mm. And so there's just a level of friction that law firms continue to provide in that experience of that interchange, which we feel that other industries like, like the banking industry have started to address. And there's a real opportunity to bring these together for a great customer experience that also provides optimizations for law firms in terms of how much internal admin and hassle and paperwork and everything they have to And do. whilst I totally get on board with what you're saying there, you know, when I, when I set up a challenger bank account, so I've got Monzo and I've got Revolut, I did have a, a good understanding and expectation based on the fact that I used Barclays every single day of my life since I was a teenager. 
I suppose there's still an element of kind of people might be coming to this with with very open eyes, and that gives I don't know whether that's a blessing or a curse, basically as a product manager, because it kind of kind of gives you free reign. There's no prior expectation maybe of someone coming into the process, but at the same time, you do something really really well. They might not realise how much better that is than the incumbents out there. I appreciate that, and I'm not sure it necessarily has to be a comparison. Mm. I think it just has to be a good experience. Right. So if I have a good experience with a business, I'm more likely to talk about and recommend that business to people who also might need to access a legal justice system. Mm. They might also need a solicitor at some point in the future. And if you say, oh, you know what, I use these people down the road and it was so straightforward. I knew what was happening all the time. They were really clear and transparent. I, was, I could deal with it without having to go and find a lawyer and deal, you know, like go in and see them physically. I could do it all over email. And it was, everything was sorted out and such a joy to use them I don't think that necessarily needs to apply that you need to know what you're expecting before you go in you just mm. you just know what good feels like these days if I want a service in my home if I want uh, a window cleaner coming to my house I don't um, this is coming from personal experience actually we tried to find a window cleaner and the only way that this particular company wanted to be paid was cash every two weeks and so we'd get these little things to the door saying, we've cleaned your windows, can you, can you give us five pounds cash? And it's like, well, when, when are you going to be here next? And how, how do we know when you're going to be around? And mm. it was so stressful. Do you even have five pounds cash in the house? Well, exactly. You've got to go and get that. Exactly. And I, it just became so stressful. It was like, actually, yeah, I, yeah. I don't need this. I'd rather pay 10 pounds to someone that I could set up a, you know, they set up a direct debit off my account. And whenever they clean my windows, they just direct debited 10 pounds mm. off me. It's not that hard. It's just a better customer experience. Mm. And we think that law firms, we feel from our experience of working with over 300 law firms in the UK, there is a big need to improve the customer experience and the efficiency the law firm goes through in dealing with their, in interacting with their clients. So your, your path into product leadership and product management is quite interesting. You studied theology at university. I did. Where was that? Yes. Uh, it's a little place uh, called Moorlands um, yeah. down on the south coast near Bournemouth. Was that with a view to... Clergy or not? So, yes, it was. At the time, it was very much thinking about moving into some form of church leadership. Yeah. And uh, I explored that you know, through the three years of the degree and uh, came out of that process without a job mm. uh, and didn't really know what I was going to do next. And through a very bizarre set of circumstances, ended up working for a retail startup in Watford. I was given an amazing opportunity um, by uh, a chap called Steve Cardell, who I am indebted to. And he took me under his wing and he allowed me to work with him to create a business in Watford for about a year and a half. And we built a business together. Uh, he was uh, working, he did this part-time. This was my full-time job and we built a business together. We found a product range and we, we created like a mini John Lewis inside the what was the Harlequin Centre in Watford. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it, it sort of opened my eyes to retail, to product range selection, buying, merchandising. I really enjoyed all of that. And actually having done that straight out of university uh, and having this great foundation, I then moved into doing corporate negotiation and corporate buying. And, and Richard, what, what, did, what did you take from your degree? Because I absolutely imagine there would have been stuff that mm. was applicable. But what did you take from your degree that has helped you, you think? Do you think? So... The degree is an interesting one. When you train to be a church leader, you have to lead a whole bunch of people who don't report to you. Mm -hmm. 
usually quite a few staff, you know, irrespective of whether they're volunteers or either just the wider congregation, none of them report to you. You have to speak about a vision publicly, clearly, articulately. You have to be able to prepare some form of message uh, and be able to deliver that convincingly and, mm -hmm. and um, in a way that people can consume and understand. You have to be able to listen to people and and hear what they're not saying as much as what they are saying and walk alongside people and lead from the back. So you can cast a vision about where we're going, but your job is not to be out the front striding away, wondering if anyone's behind you. Mm. Your job is to be at the back, encouraging people, protecting people, shepherding people around, you know, helping people move, whether it's a business or a church, in a direction of travel that you feel is right. And that all mirrors marries very very closely with actually the best of what i've seen in product management yes that those skills are essential to a product leader who can convey a vision can can bring people with them and where, where they're going can encourage people to do something hard and do something difficult can listen and take on board and try and find that niche between the balance of what the business needs to achieve, what, your, what the problems there are of, of their customers, and what's possible for that business to build, whether it's engineering, technically, whatever. So you bring those three things together, the needs of the business, the needs of the customer, and the needs of, of, of your engineering team, if you like. And product leadership brings all of that together into a cohesive form and delivers a, a, a vision for that. So I suppose, just thinking about then the professionals that you've worked with, um, are there any, is there any correlation then between maybe people who've done social sciences versus people who've done more traditional kind of routes into technology that you kind of go, you know what, these people make fantastic product managers because of this reason? I think there's a, there's a, there's a real variety. Some of the best product people I've ever worked with have come from extremely weird backgrounds. Uh, there's one product manager who springs to mind immediately. Uh, she was an incredible force of nature to right. work with. Absolutely brilliant. And her background was the army. She spent years working in the army and she brought order and discipline and clear thinking and a, mm. you know, an ordered strategy to her product you know, communication. And it was brilliant to watch. I would have never have assumed that somebody who had spent a number of years working in, in, in that environment would have been naturally suited to product management, but she was brilliant. And so I, I think there's definitely, if you can tease out those principles, you can bring them from all sorts of interesting places. And the wider, if you have a larger business, the wider variety your product team comes from, the stronger your product is going to be from the back of it. Now, um, often we talk about kind of talking to the business, making sure that stuff's translated between the technical department and the business in terms of how a product should look perhaps or or a new service and we kind of, I, I don't know we tend to think of maybe architects as that that kind of um, pivot point between mm -hmm. business and and tech but surely product has a huge say in that too because you are building the very thing that the business is trying to realize or unlock value from sure i think the the role of product management at least well if you put 10 product managers in the room you'll have 15 different opinions mm -hmm. this being said in my opinion, the role of product management is to not define the outcome, 
but to define the problem, to prioritise the right problems to solve. And it is a, it's a collaboration between product, design, engineering, any other functions within the business that, that need to feed into this, to, to try and find the right solutions that address the customer's need, that solve the business problems, that can be built both feasibly, you can afford to build the thing in the first place, mm. and it's feasible to maintain and grow that business, uh, that product in the future. And it's a, it's a hybrid thinking of, of all of that. But product's role is to, is to try and prioritize the right problems to solve, not necessarily the way you actually go about delivering that product. Well, look, I think it's a fascinating area. What's, what's next? It's, it's nearly 2020. This will probably be going out in early 2020. What's on the horizon for legal? As we have delivered some really exciting products in 2019 into the uh, legal industry, it's going to be about opening those products up to the widest range of law firms possible so that the greatest number of their clients can have great customer experiences, mm. irrespective of whether that's whether they're on board with the law firm, whether they're trying to pay a law firm, whether they're dealing uh, in a communication with their law firm. We, there's all sorts of areas that we are addressing, both in 2019 and 2020, and it's about scaling the business out and, and growing that great customer experience. Scaling a business, never, never the simplest of challenges, so it's going to be a busy year. It is, it is going to be a very busy year, yes. <laughs> well, look, thank you for coming uh, onto the show and having a chat. It's, it's, it's interesting to get that slightly unusual take on product management as well, but you know, some of those points around the skill sets are, are fascinating. So thank you for your time, and I hope that 2020 does go as planned for legal. It's a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Do either of you have much um, knowledge of anything legal? Um... I do a little bit yeah. uh, because obviously I'm a European, so <laughs> obviously, <yeah. laughs> of course. Um, so when I when I moved over here and got a passport, I think so. It's got a lot of, lot to do with like home office law. Yeah, I know a couple. I did wonder where you were going with the obviously whether you were going to reveal some like criminal past. Yeah. Oh no 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 criminal past. Um, but yeah, we you need to you can't just come over here and not know the way the country works. So. I know, yeah, I know a little bit like that, but not not when it comes to criminal law. Or oh, I've watched a lot of Law and Order suits. Oh, that, well, that Boston makes you legal. an expert. Boston Legal was my base. That's William Shatter, right? I think so. Had yeah. that tad crash. Oh. Right, okay. I know, it's strange. That is a strange one. Um, so expectations of how we interact with businesses in the 21st century, as Jonathan describes, are very much, mm. you download an app, you, 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 you stick your thumb on the phone and mm. you're away. And there are some sectors of society, sections of society, which are rather arcane. And I suppose it's probably not surprising that legal is one because mm -hmm. it's, it's not something that we have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. I guess if, if, if it was something that you had to do daily, people would go, mm. well, hang on a minute, this is a bit, why is there not something better? Yeah, I feel like when you go through a legal process as well, you probably expect it to be quite difficult anyway. So no one's like <laughs> complaining about customer service because I feel like either way, it's not going to be a fun thing for you. Right, so so like accounting, <laughs> accountants, pensions, no pensions, pension B, no, we've had them on the show, Pensioner, of course. Okay, yeah, but accountancy and legal stuff yeah. and difficult mm -hmm. stuff should somehow remain difficult it, by its it very just, nature. It just feels like that's everyone's the way it just should okay be. With like, it, yeah. like taxes, filling out tax forms. That's never going to be fun, is it? not going to no. change. <laughs>
there shouldn't be an app for that. Um, yeah. There actually should be. That'd be Don't great. make it easy, you know? <laughs> I also think um, with law comes a lot of, like, tradition. Mm. If you see, they still wear those curly hats. Wigs. Yeah. Those I think they're wigs. Those wigs. <laughs> or no, but there's a lot of tradition that goes <laughs> with it. So I can understand that it's still kind of stuck in the the dinosaur ages mm. but they bring up a really good point but that's the way the world's moving get on the bandwagon guys mm. yeah I, I do like I do like the fact that he talks about um, that it doesn't have to be a comparison that it just has to be a good experience and that these days people know what good feels like mm. and to your point Evie we, we know that legal doesn't feel good yeah. But weirdly, we seem to accept it because everyone says that it doesn't feel good. <laughs> if, you, if I said to you, give me an example of something that's good customer service, you could probably straight away off the top of your head go, well, this is good customer service. I don't know. Really? Yeah, I actually don't know. You must have opened countless apps on your phone today and gone, well, maybe you didn't I'm consciously go, that was a yeah. good customer service, but you did something that but maybe five years easier, ago yeah. took like two, like five working days, for example. Banking. Oh, banking, yeah. Banking's a massive one. Yeah. I mean, why the hell did it used to take five working days to transfer money between accounts? Yeah, that doesn't really make sense, does it? No. Especially if it's the same app. Even now you can, like, scan in checks, can't you, on, like, the Barclays app as well. That's way easier. Normally it's, like... I don't know you could do that. Yeah, Yeah. it's really cool. Do checks still exist? Well, if you ever get one. It's, like, normally, like, grandma on a birthday is when you get a check in the post. I remember when I got my first checkbook, I felt so, like, oh. You've had a checkbook? I've got a checkbook. What? I've used one check in my entire life. You've used a check? Yeah. You're 23? For a university um, school, like, a university trip, and you had to give in a check. And was that an annoying, like... It was just weird. Yeah. Like, that was the first time I've ever written a check in my life. And that's probably the Gen Z reaction to legal. It's just... (laughs) Weird. Yeah. <laughs> so no one's breaking the law and no one's using lawyers. But that's pretty much the way forward. And I, I don't get like, you know, <laughs> the, the, win, the window cleaner thing. Cash every oh, two yeah. weeks. Like, it's so easy to carry an eyes out around linked to a phone. Yeah, mm. but that's also like a lot of people that run small companies tax oh. evasion. Well, like they don't want to pay tax. Okay, right? fine, I mean, right. So if, you get paid well. in, if you get paid in cash, you don't have to... Is, is well, you do, like, you do have, have to. to. Yeah, yeah, you have to. You have to say that, but I think a so lot you know, of those earlier we were suggesting don't. you might have a criminal record. I don't. I think you've just admitted it. <laughs> um, what do you think about this idea of leading from the back? It's not, it's not something that you're often used to hearing, right? Mm. I, I kind of like this comment where, where he said that I don't want to be standing in the front and hope that people are following behind me. Um, and I think it's so true nowadays is like we've seen on all the podcasts recently, people are so much more worried about relationships and kind of emotion that go with everything. And he was like, well, that's how I'm gonna, mm-hmm. gonna listen to my people. That's what he said was one of the most important things is, is listening. Um, I shepherding think people. Shepherd, shepherding. That's, that's the word he <laughs> Encourage people to do what's hard. Cause you always assume leading is from the front. Mm-hmm. Leading by its very nature. So I just love this idea of, sorry, as I said, I love this idea of leading from the back. back, It just, it's a sentence that doesn't make sense, but in a business setting actually does make perfect sense. Yeah. It talks about uh, some interesting backgrounds for people to have come from. Um, You two deal with with CVs a lot of the time. Any exciting, interesting backgrounds that you've come across where you've gone, well, I didn't expect that. So I've had, I've had a, I've had a solution architect once come from a recruitment background. 
Really? Which I thought was quite that, strange. That happens a lot more than you think. You're doing iron career moves then. <laughs> no, no, no. But but my thing is he probably was, and he was in the tech industry, and so I spoke to him about it, and he said no. He just saw how much money those people yeah. made, and he was like, well, now I'm changing. And I mean, to go from a recruiter to a solution architect, yeah, that's a big jump. It's a huge jump. I somehow feel that you're being slightly pessimistic about. Oh no no! Yes, down the line, and this is going to be a solution. The, chance, the chances of your of, of of how your own career is seen. No no no! I'm going to be a chief happiness officer. You are. Yeah, we'll After just go with that. Week, yeah, yeah, last week. I once um, saw a doctor, a doctor. I've seen many who, doctors. Well, uh, I don't think it's very interesting to share on the podcast. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Bit of wit. Um, no, so it was the doctor who just quit being a doctor and then taught himself coding and became a software developer. Which I thought was a really odd move. That is odd because you always think of doctors being yeah. like, that's a goal career yeah, and you've studied for so six long, years. Long. Yeah. Isn't that? And then he just quit and taught himself coding and just became a software developer. And what was his reasoning? It was mad. I don't know. He wasn't good for the role, so I didn't call him, but I just read his CV. <laughs> <laughs> I just read his CV, his little bio, and I was like, wow, good for you. You should have called him and asked. I know. I'll find well, him. It might be good I'll for another him. role. I don't do that anymore, so... That's a good point. But anyway... (laughs) Nonetheless, you could help them out. Okay, Uh, look, Jonathan, really interesting to have you come on the show. Really great point about having that, being able to draw on a wide variety of people. So some really great messages there. Uh, We will go to an advert break. When we come back, we'll have a quick bit of technology news. Once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Quick bit of technology news to uh, start the week off. Why do we gender AI? Uh, Voice tech firms to be more inclusive, gender neutral voice assistants, and accent recognition amongst projects in the pipeline. Oh, this is, I remember reading an article about this a while ago mm-hmm. um, to do with like Alexa's voice. I don't know if this is like exactly related to that. It's very related to this. How um, how it was it was bad that we were teaching people and like young children because she's got a female voice called Alexa to be like shouting at a woman around the house all day like Alexa mm-hmm. do this Alexa do that and it looks it just teaches children and like adults like a bad habit it's, it's more than that so, so there's a really interesting couple of paragraphs I mean mm. yes that is absolutely true but there's mm. a really interesting middle section in this Dr Charlotte Webb the co-founder of Feminist Internet detailed some of the current technology shortcomings voice technology has failed by not being programmed to respond adequately to abuse the oh. example of Siri stating I'd blush if I could when told she was a bitch is well known uh, as is Replexa replying, well, thanks for the feedback when she's told you're a slut. Oh my god. Yeah. Kind of put into that context. It's That's not just. So <laughs> it's not just kind of, oh, it's a bit troubling that we're teaching people to order a woman around. There's yeah. this disembodied female voice that does your bidding. It's actually 
you, you know, the, 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 that's really quite alarming that yeah. those are the responses to those comments. And it's worth it's worth highlighting, you know, if people aren't aware. Because most people do. I, I'm, I wasn't aware until I started reading about this and thinking about it, going, hang on a minute. Yeah, Siri, Alexa, etc. Yeah. are female voices that you just, with no courtesy or manners... You just tell them. You what just to tell do. them what to do. Yeah. You'll go, well, it's a computer. But actually, if you are a toddler growing up with these things in the house and you've got no social norm before that, yeah. it's the really troubling. The phone. Yeah, that's what yeah. that is. Um, that's awful, isn't it? I didn't realise they respond like that. To but also, what type of it. people is calling their phone a slut? No, but if, you know when people Not just, even like, phone. mess around, like having a conversation with Siri and stuff like that, like just as a joke, but it should also then have a proper response still even if I'm assuming no one says it seriously no, obviously. but still I mean the, the, these companies that, that we're talking about here Google Amazon Apple they purport to be inclusive forward-thinking organizations they are clearly not thinking about mm-hmm. an inclusive message there uh, and more than that um, you know what what if what if uh, a regional accent means that that Alexa doesn't understand you. That, I've had that issue a lot of times. You have that with yeah. my Google Home. I had that, yeah. We, we had, yeah, we had that on Friday with yeah. the Google thing. And I feel like, so whenever um, Eddie talks to the Google Home, it responds way better to him if I'm like trying to shout to the Google Home and it always picks up his voice instead yeah. of my voice. It's, it's, if we're moving, if we're moving to, a, to a kind of a... Um, a connected home and a smart economy and voices increasingly a way that we interact with technology and more and more of the of, of jobs in the economy is accessed through technology mm-hmm. if you kind of pull that forward if it responds better to um i don't know uh, a, a white male rp version mm-hmm. of what you might imagine speech to be yeah. and less well others well uh, it responds less ably rather trying to get my words out, uh, to other accents and types of voices, then that's a major concern for locking people out of the economy and opportunity. Yeah. I feel like there's been so many issues with technology like that, hasn't there? Like loads of AI and like robotics things. Like they they are built, well, generally there tends to be a swing like towards. a swing towards just like a white male that they're built for. What wasn't there like an article about the, the cars? The... Um, the autonomous cars and then they have trouble recognizing yeah. people who aren't white yeah. <laughs> essentially and it's just and i feel like there's so much technology like that it has to be there was a case of, there's, a, there's a famous one of a case of a vending machine that would dispense when you put your hand under a sensor but um it wouldn't recognize anything other than caucasian skin because the developers who built it had never considered that yeah. you you wouldn't that the hand wouldn't look like theirs yeah and it's not that they are actively being, being racist no, it's but just, they're, just they not think, thinking, they're just not thinking which like is that. a brilliant argument for why di- diverse um, workforce. workforce is matter so much mm. just to make you go oh hang on a minute what about x mm. wow it's awful That's isn't it shocking. and I don't know this is like getting off on a tangent as well like even with like healthcare and things there are so many um, things where technology like misdiagnoses women with heart attacks mm. um, because it's it's the diagnostics are more set for a male perspective instead yeah. of women. Well, like we're saying, then, Fitbits yeah. not being built for anything other than men. That's so. That's, that's so so, so true as well. That some of the watches don't pick up 
my thing because my wrist is so small. Surely, <laughs> no, seriously, yeah, surely you had that issue as well. They don't pick up my pulse because of oh, yeah. And Well, for fitness trackers, it's well known that the colour of the LED that tracks your heart rate is better suited to white skin than it is oh, to really? any darker skin. It's just, it's just everything, essentially. <laughs> Challenges for technology at the beginning of the 20th century and gender-neutral voices and mm -hmm. voice that understands a wider range of accents mm -hmm. is important. Very. But I do think we're learning as we go. I mean, look at us pointing out all these problems. We'll get there one day. Well, mm -hmm. it also needs more people yeah. like us and more Having conversations mm -hmm. to about it. make people aware so that these technologies don't get built without the proper level of thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's cheery, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any plans Tomorrow, for this Monday. evening? Monday evening? Love Island? No, I nothing. I don't it. watch Love Island. No, I did. Really? Yeah. That's shocking. I probably yeah. will. I mean, I just forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Whitmore was wearing some curtains last night. Some curtains? Yeah, I don't know what it is, but Hayley sat next to me and literally, literally turned to me and said, what is it about this show? Everyone who presents it is made to look hideous. <laughs> I wow. mean, they do put them in just some fairly odd plumber, but there you go. You hope they don't choose it themselves, then. I don't think so, because everything on yeah. screen can be bores, right? So they probably have a fairly yeah. limited option. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought you would have loved it, because it's South African, right? Um, no, oh. I don't. No, I don't. I don't love it. I think... It's, I don't... I just think it's fairly... Um, excuse <laughs> the pun, stupid. That's not a pun. That's just my opinion. Oh, yeah, But enough. I do... There's one, one show that I do love. I love Take Me Out. Oh God! So hang on. No, look, you, you can't. That, you can't like both of those are equally kind of on a level. No, that Paddy man, I love him. Oh come on, you can't. I love Ian Sterling. Him. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, That's there we go. <laughs> right with that, let's go. Uh, thank you for listening, and have a lovely week. Thanks, guys. guys.